Hey guys, I'm excited about this one because some of you may have seen the Destination Fear episode the other night, and they were at the Hode Hospital on College Hill, and a great friend of the show, Marianne Farley, and she's personally a good friend of ours as well, and she has helped us so much in the past. She kind of gave me the heads up, and she said, hey, this episode is going to be coming out in a couple of weeks. Keep it hush-hush, which I did, which is rare for me, but I kept it hush-hush, and she said, hey, once this thing airs... I've got the owner, Tanya Webb, and we'd like to kind of come on and talk about the place. So obviously, I jumped all over that. So first of all, Marianne Farley, thank you for that. And Tanya Webb, thank you for coming on the show with us today. Oh, you're welcome. Very welcome. Let's talk, Tanya. I want to know how you became the owner of the Hode Hospital on College Hill what prompted you to do that? What what made you want to do that? And where your involvement with the hospital started, I would say, at a very early age. <laughs> sure. And it did. It actually started when I was very young. I was actually born in this hospital in 1973. For those that don't know, I grew up, it's almost like Kentucky, West Virginia thing. I go back and forth. I was born in Williamson, West Virginia and raised in Kentucky. Then I came back to West Virginia, so I've been back and forth. But I pretty much, other than going off to college for a few years and living in Lexington, Kentucky for a few years, I came back home. I've lived in this area most of my life. So the old hospital on College Hill was always a building I was very fascinated with. If you've never seen it, it overlooks the city of Williamson, and it's just always had this amazing, interesting, and even kind of creepy factor when it was even in operation. But I was born there in 73. I also had two grandparents that I never met pass away there before I was born. So my connection and my emotional tie to the hospital was very strong. And it's just one of my favorite buildings in town. And when I came to learn that it was up for sale, basically, I just felt the need, you know, personally... It was something I wanted to do for myself, but I also wanted to do for my community because I felt like, you know, this building, as long as well as the nurses building, which is located right beside of it, and it's a, it could be a whole show in itself as well, uh, so much history with that one, I, I felt like I needed to try to get both of them and try to save them. So that's kind of unique because, I mean, most of the time people don't think, I could probably buy some stuff. What, what do I want to invest in? And usually an old abandoned hospital is not usually the first thing that comes up. <laughs> right, that's true. A lot of people a lot of people thought I was a little weird. Just like I said, it the structures, the history, the emotional tie to it. You know, unfortunately in our area we have a lot of problems with people buying up property or buying things and then just letting them sit there and rot and not doing anything with them. And I didn't want to do this. I think that the hospital is very special. I think it could be something very huge for our community. It's unique in the way that, you know, you don't get the opportunity to purchase hospitals very often. So it's something that it was a part of our history in Williamson that I wanted to save. And again, as part of my history, I just I just didn't want to see it just set up there and maybe decay or fall in or someone tear it down. It just it just means too much. Marianne, what is your involvement with the hospital? When you reached out to me, I know you've been uh, involved with Tanya for a while with this, but where are you at right now as far as uh, what are you doing to help Tanya out with this venture? Well, I'm doing anything to help Tanya, anything I can to help her out with this venture. I kind of got involved a couple of years ago because in 2018-2019, Tanya was able to do some haunted attractions through the hospital. 
opened them up around Halloween. And uh, like one of the pictures that they showed on Destination was taken during one of those haunted attractions when we had it opened. And so I've kind of helped out with that and I have offered to help her any way I can when the hospital kind of gets opened up and stuff. All right, so let me ask you this. So Destination Fear came out there. They shot the episode. How did that come about? Did they just reach out to you guys or is this something where you had put some feelers out there? How did all this happen? They actually found us. The Travel Channel found, we had created, when we started doing the, the haunted attraction there, like Marianne said a couple of years ago, um, at the time, the hospital was owned by some local owners, and they were gracious enough to let us use it to do it for a few weeks in October. So we created a Facebook page. We never dreamed that it would really you know, get as big as it did. One of the videos that we shot to attract people to come to the haunted attraction back in 2018 I think reached over 500,000 views. I mean, it, it was just crazy. So people really was drawn to it and we really wanted to make it something special. And I don't know if it was that coupled with the fact that the following year we had Tony Moran, who was the original Michael Myers and John Carpenter's um, film Halloween. He was a guest. He's the first celebrity that we had there, and he lives in L.A. So the Travel Channel person that reached out to us, I think, kind of got a hold of all of that. And they had actually been messaging us, oh, gosh, on and off, probably for six to eight months, interested in the hospital wanting to shoot. Unfortunately, it took so long because the real Williamson Memorial Hospital went into foreclosure which was part of this old hospital. So everything was tied up in bankruptcy court and foreclosure for, for a number of months. Hmm. That makes sense. So when I was actually um, able to purchase it and in the process of it, they had again reached out to us and we said, hey, this is what's going on. I'm in the process of buying it. So we worked it out with the attorneys and everything got fine and they was able to come here and shoot in October. So let me ask you a question without getting too personal, because it's just something I'm curious about. When something like a show like, say, Destination Fear, I know you can't speak for all of them, but when they reach out and they want to come out and film and make you part of a possible episode, is that something you guys get some type of compensation for? Or is that typically just do it for the notoriety and, and knowing for the uh, publicity you'll get off from it? You know, this was actually my first time dealing with anything like this, so I really wasn't sure. And honestly, even if we hadn't received any compensation for it, I would have done it anyway. Sure. Because the Travel Channel has such a huge following, as does Destination Fear. I mean, what greater opportunity for me to advertise this and reach a, an audience that I wouldn't normally be able to in Williamson, West Virginia. So regardless if we were going to get compensated or not, I was all for it. I mean, and, and here's the thing that really stuck out to me. They, they wanted this to be their season finale. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Not just, you know, not just one of the regular shows, which I'm not knocking that, any show special, but for Dakota to choose us as a season finale, because I think there were three or maybe four other destinations that were in running for that, and he chose us. So for him and Destination Fear and the Travel Channel to want to come to Williamson and showcase this hospital meant the world to me. 
because it was something that, you know, I was able to showcase the hospital as well as my area, which I'm, you know, very strongly tied to and very proud of our community and what we have to offer. And it was just a lot of excitement. I mean, I, I never dreamed that that quick that they thought that much of it to make it their season finale. Let's talk a little bit about the show, the Destination Fair episode. So I learned a couple of things on there, obviously. I, I bet a lot of people did, because like I said, it's not one of the, it's not the big name out there. The, the the hospital in College Hill isn't the big name that everybody knows. So it was a learning experience for most of us watching the show. Right. I, I thought it was fascinating to see that the surgery rooms, typically the operating rooms, had windows where people could actually watch their relatives being being operated on. And even if something horrible went wrong, you're right there to witnesses. That completely blew my mind that that was even a thing. Yes. The research that we found back in the, it was open. This hospital was open. It was constructed in 27 and opened in 28, 1928. Back in the 20s and 30s and maybe even 40s, it wasn't uncommon for, you know, relatives to be able to go up to the fourth floor and it's a two-way window and they would sit on one side while their loved one was being operated on the other side. And it also kind of worked as a, the building that's beside of it that I keep referring to as the nurses college. It was also a teaching tool for the nurses. They would also come and observe and watch the surgeries being performed. Those were that were students there so they could watch it as well. So it was a pretty interesting I've never seen that before in a hospital, so it was pretty amazing for us to be able to see that. And the windows are still intact. I mean, it, there's not much. I mean, for this hospital to be as old as it is, it's, it's in good shape. I mean, and everything, you know, is still the original. The elevator that's in there, it's creepier than heck. They really didn't showcase that too much. But yeah. the elevator, everything, it's all from the original, you know, from 1928. So it's really cool. The part that fascinated me the most is when they talked about the coal mining accidents that were so prevalent back in the day that there were so many amputations and and deaths from it that they had to have two incinerators just to burn all the body parts. And if somebody had a, a body that was never claimed and they cut that body up and put that in the incinerator also, that was the part that I found most fascinating out of the entire show. Yeah, yeah I, I think that did fascinate a lot of people. Because from what what we know, uh, there wasn't a morgue in the hospital. So anything that was unclaimed, it was probably just burned in the incinerator. The, the morgue, came, it came later, but early, yeah. early on. Yeah. They didn't really have any other way to dispose of the bodies. So that's what they would just take them to the incinerator. Yeah, and it's very spooky down there. Yes, you feel like it's a scene out of Nightmare on Elm Street is what I feel like when you step down in there. Because you literally, even though it's in the basement, you have to take another step down to get into this room. Yeah. It's it's unreal. One of the things they mentioned when they were talking about that part, that this was the part that I guess it maybe confused me a little bit, but I still found it fascinating, is they said that there are still some of the ashes... In there, and I, and I wasn't sure if they were talking about ashes from, like back when they were doing the uh, amputation incinerations, or if this was just ashes in general. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? We believe that the incinerators were never cleaned out, so we believe that those ashes that are in there are still the ashes from the bodies. Now there were also some old medicine bottles that we found when I peeped in there one day. You know, it was medicine bottles probably from the forties. 
I don't know if they had tried to burn those and they just didn't burn, but they were still in existence. But you can tell that they're, they're ashes from it's where the bodies were cremated. Yeah. Destination caught some really cool stuff in there, one of which was this shadow figure. You know, they described it as looking like either a shadow figure or, or somebody dressed all in black walking across. And it was some pretty good footage that I felt like. How did you feel about the footage that they actually came up with? Well, I wasn't too shocked. We haven't really had a whole lot of um, haunting stories on the second floor. So the activity that they caught there surprised me just a little bit. But with all the stories that we have collected and with what local neighbors have seen, what I've experienced when I'm in there, it didn't really surprise me too much. Don't know what it is or who it is. You know, now that we know that there's activity on the second floor, it's definitely something we will let others know as well. There was some activity there one night when I was there. Back in 2018, the night that the nurse's picture was taken outside, and I think it was the night that Patty had the experience in the basement. In the basement, yes. There was all kinds of things happening that night to the volunteers. We had a lot of teenage, high school age volunteers that night, and they came out of that area on the second floor there. They were just totally freaked out. They were, they were saying they were smelling like sulfur smells and seeing things. And, and I went down through there, and there's a picture and it looks like there's something kind of fuzzy down by my foot, which uh, some of the paranormal investigators there in the hospitals said, oh, it's an orb and stuff. And I don't know. It could be dust. But there there was some things. So, so I thought that was really interesting that they caught something in that part of the hallway. And I remember a couple of years ago that stuff happening in that part of the hallway. I, I can't. I And I remember that, Marianne, because I, I remember... The, probably the most action that we or activity that we experienced and, and things that I had never seen before happened on Halloween night of yeah. 2018. Um, yeah. I, I mean, there were staff there um, that was part of the haunted attraction who were in tears, who yeah. refused to come back, who claimed they saw faces. They felt like they were being touched. They were legitimately scared and they left. They left like two hours before our tours were done. They claimed, like Marianne said, that they could smell sulfur. They could smell, and then the rooms would get really cold. They could see their breasts. And it was it was various rooms throughout the hospital. And, I, and Marianne's right. I think it was, some of it was on the second floor. But, yeah, you know, Halloween night was, it, it was constant from, e- even from our staff, from the ones that were going through it. It really, it really spooked a lot of people. And I mean, it was so odd because at that point we had been doing this for four or five weeks and every night almost the same people doing the same thing. And then this, uh, this was probably the last night on Halloween night, all this happened. It was, and it was, yeah. it was very unusual. Tanya, where do you think this activity is coming from? Of course, it's a hospital. So, you know, you have all the deaths sadness then you also have the births of children and then some of the children that didn't make it some of the stories that we share with destination fear and i'm kind of surprised they didn't air that part of it was we constantly get reports and um, especially when we were doing the tours and i've even heard it myself was at certain points and times you could hear kids giggling the third floor was the uh, maternity ward and that seems to be a lot of action where you can just hear it's almost like kids running and things like that but i feel you know anytime you have 
a building such as this where there are so many deaths and so much illness. And you got to remember, you know, this was constructed in 28. So this hospital went through the Great Depression, where I'm sure there were a lot of suicides. There were a lot of murders. You know, this this hospital seen tuberculosis, you know, all, all these diseases that there probably were no cure for at the time, vaccines. You can only imagine what this hospital, what these walls seen for over all these years. The hospital is what now 100 years old. I'm sure there are people in there or, you know, there's activity in there. And I think they, they're ready to, to share their story. They, they showed us quite a bit. And I'm sure they're, um, even when Destination Was Fear was there, uh, somebody brought to my attention yesterday, had a couple of fans send me the picture and their professional photographer took a picture of them standing out in front of the hospital. And if you look real closely in the windows, several of them look like there's faces looking out at them. Oh, wow. Yeah. And well, I, sent it to them. I sent it to them because I don't know if they saw that or not. So I drew a circle around the faces. It was unreal. And I, it wasn't us. We didn't do it. It was their photographer. People thought we had staged it, but that was not staged at all. I mean, that's just, that's, it's not uncommon for people to capture those images in those windows. Yeah, because when we did the hind attractions, people coming out would do would catch faces all the time. Yeah, yeah, you know, in both buildings, not not just the hospital and the nurses' college. Also, there was this one family who did a photo shoot, and you can see this black shadow image. I don't know if it's a female or a male. Kind of the way that it's shaped, kind of looks like a female, and it almost looks like she's, they're putting a hand on his shoulder. Yeah, and when the family seen that, they freaked out and sent it to us and. They, they they just, you know, they couldn't believe it. So I mean, the photo was taken. It wasn't even completely dark yet. It was taken yeah. kind of it during the day. Yeah. yeah. And it was just somebody's phone. We just used, They asked us to use their phone to take a picture of them. They caught that. So it was really neat. So we talked about the faces showing up there in, in other people's pictures, but there's also a room to where people see that they see a face uh, on the wall or something of that nature. Tell me a little bit about that, Marianne. That is down in the basement. In the basement, they're kind of way back in the back. There are two x-ray rooms. And that first year in 2018, when we first did the tours, there was, you know, a lot of activity, a lot of things going on back there. And one of the ladies who was a volunteer, and she was on Destination Fear. Her name's Patty. She was on Destination Fear talking about this experience. She wore an old-timey nurse's outfit, and I always think about, well, you know, you know, is that why maybe something came out towards her? Because she was dressed up like a nurse. Yes. Yeah. I, I always thought, think about this. I believe this happened on that Halloween night. And I so she... So. Yeah, she had been doing it, you know, for uh, five or six weeks. The the uh, X-ray rooms are down there on the end of the hallway. And what she would always do is she would take the people in one X-ray room and tell them about it and then bring them out and take them in the one across the hall. And she would, you know, step in behind them and just kind of be spooky and, and like that. And then when they came out, went down the hall, she turned around and she said, uh, you know, it was like just a face coming out of the wall and kind of just emptiness behind it. I heard her tell it right after it happened. And she said she just took up down the hall and she did. She said she would never go back down there. She was in tears. Yeah. And, and she had been down there, you know, the whole time just staying down there, you know, and not having a problem with it. And then after that happened. 
you know, but she was on the Destination Fear episode. So one of the the names that comes up pretty often uh, through all the lore of the hospital is Mose Blackburn. Tanya, tell me a little bit about who Mose was and how he ended up in the hospital. And then, Marianne, you tell me what happened to Mose. Well, from the research that we found, going back to reviewing newspaper articles and things like that, in 1962, he worked at a local restaurant here in town. And it's said that him and his wife or girlfriend was sitting in their car, and I guess they got into a heated debate, an argument, and I guess one of the business owners was afraid for her, so they called the police. Well, an officer responded, and for whatever reason, Mose pulled out a gun and shot the officer and killed him. Well, when another officer responded to the scene to see what was going on, he saw the other officer on the ground, and I guess he went after Mose. They got into a scuffle. He was hurt. I think both the officer and Mose was taken to the old hospital, you know, just to be checked out and to make sure... Everything was okay, but he, the officer that he shot did pass away. So then he's, he's at the hospital, correct? Yes. yes. And Marianne, and, what happened from that point on? Well, I think he was up on the third floor, and, you know, he ends up somehow being either jumping or being propelled out of one of the windows, and he doesn't make it. And, you know, it's really unknown whether he jumped or whether he was killed by other police officers because he killed a police officer. You know, it, it's really unknown for sure exactly how that, what happened. Well, the odd thing about it and what struck us as odd, and Destination Fear didn't go into it a whole lot because I know, you know, it's only an hour show. They can only do so much. But question lingered. Did he jump out the window? Was he thrown? There are newspaper articles that state that there was an officer outside of his door, that he had asked the officer to go get him some water. And when the officer left, that he something spooked him and he jumped. But then there are also stories that the officers threw him out the window. So no one knows. But here's the odd thing about the whole thing. When he was thrown out or jumped out or whatever happened, he didn't die instantly. They got him. They brought him back in the hospital. He didn't die until a month later. I went down to get his death certificate because I was curious as to, you know, well, what, what happened between then and now, you know, a month later. That's just kind of odd to me. And on his death certificate, it says he died from emphysema, a fractured rib, and a broken leg. Hmm. So hmm. it's just all very questionable and just very, like, none of it makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. So nobody really knows what happened. He lived a month, but he, was he, he wasn't able to speak to tell anybody what happened? Not that we can ever find was recorded or documented. All that we could find was he lived approximately one month after that. There was one follow-up article that there was a request for an autopsy, but that was never revealed. So to this day, we have no idea if he jumped, if he was pushed, and what he really died from. All we know is what is on the death certificate. Was he one of the spirits in there, do you think? We believe so, yes. Yeah. All right. So I'm excited that Marianne reached out and and told me about this. I was even more excited when we watched the Destination Fear episode. (laughs) We're hoping that someday we'll be able to make it up there and maybe do a live event or something in there if you guys will have us and we can get everything worked out. So let's talk about the future of the hospital. What do you have planned, Tanya? for the hospital going forward and what what kind of shape overall is the hospital and you said it was in good shape 
for yes. to be as old as it is. So structurally, is it pretty safe all the way around? Are there some, there's some floors or areas that are off limits to people? Tell me a little bit about that part of it. For it to be 100 years old, I think the hospital is in really great shape. It's in such good of a shape that I feel comfortable opening up to do certain things probably by February or March of next year. So pretty soon, just right around the corner. However, we've had more problems with people breaking in and destroying some of the walls the ceiling, stripping copper out of it, things like that. Some of the rooms are more damaged than others, but it's not anything that, not like the decay over the years and stuff like that. So that, to me, kind of sends a statement that I, you would think a building that old would not be in such good shape. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You think it would be decayed and run down and... But there's some kind of strength in this hospital that keeps it just looking amazingly creepy, if if there's a thing. (laughs) I mean, that's how I describe it. Yeah, there are certain rooms that we probably couldn't allow people to go in at this point because the ceiling has where people have pulled the copper and the wires out, things like that. But other than that, I feel pretty comfortable with people coming in and wanting to spend a few hours hunting or investigating and you know, doing tours and things like that. Now, the building, the side of it, it's going to take me a while to get it up and running, but the hospital itself, I think, will be okay. What's the big picture plan for the hospital? Do you plan on this being a a paranormal situation the whole time, or do you have bigger plans in the long run? Well, we're kind of taking it on a partner. Also having a a business partner. Her name is Sabrina Hatfield. And what what we've discussed to do, we want to take it on two different routes. There were so many people born here and so many people that have a connection here. The history behind it is just fascinating in itself. The two doctors that build it and their history is fascinating itself. Even one of the paranormal stories talks about one of the doctors. We can talk about that later, but we want to open it up for those that don't necessarily believe in the paranormal stuff. We're not into that. We just want to see or are fascinated with the history behind it and the fact that it's a hundred year old hospital or maybe just like hospitals in general. So we'll offer tours for people that are just fascinated with that aspect of it and tell them a little bit about the paranormal stuff. But our main attraction and our main focus for it is we really do want it to be a destination where paranormal groups come in and really do their thing. We've been already contacted by several different groups from all over the U.S. Um, I had someone from Texas message me last night who just who are kind of fascinated with it as well. They saw it on Destination Fear. We really want to do a lot of things, not only for the local community, but for those that are just, you know, maybe we live in Hatfield-McCoy country. This is feud country. And, and for those that don't know, it's, in, it's located in Mingo County. We're the youngest county in West Virginia, but we're also... The probably most historic county in West Virginia, and it's and it's the nickname for our county is Bloody Mingo, um, <laughs> and they named it that because of all the deaths and all the bloodshed and all the wars and all the all the feuds and all this stuff that happened, and a lot of that, a lot of those people were brought to this hospital. So, yeah. You know, we want to focus on that. We'll be doing events, especially like around Halloween and things like that. We want to do flashlight tours. Um, you know, just just kind of open it up to the hospital is so big. I think there's just a numerous and variety of things that we can do for our community as well as those that are in town, maybe here to ride the Hatfield McCoy trails. They want to come and see the hospital and things like that. I think there's a variety of things we can do with it. That's awesome. Well, I thank you ladies for spending some time with us today and, and letting us learn a little bit about the whole hospital on College Hill. Tell everybody what websites or social media they could go to if they want to learn a little more. Sure. We actually have all of our social media pages up and running. 
We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I think on Facebook, you can find us under the old hospital on College Hill. On Instagram and Twitter and TikTok, the name was too long, so we had to shorten it. So I think it's actually College Hill Hospital. Uh, We do have a website if people would like to visit it as well. And you can find it at www.collegehillhospital.com. Awesome. Thank you all so much and looking forward to definitely doing some stuff with you guys in the future. Thank you so much, Jerry. Thank you, Jerry. 